Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is Kristen Reed. Kristen works as a licensed marriage and family therapist at Readiness Counseling here in Nashville. And not only is she an amazing therapist, she's my therapist. Kristen has been there with me every step of the way as I have gone through the most gigantic transition of my entire life, becoming a mom. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about becoming a mom, why it's such a big transition, what you can do to prepare for it, and some really practical pieces of advice and wisdom to help you through it, especially in those first few months. Now, I have a few disclaimers to share with you before we dive in. First, I mentioned this last week, but it is a tad unconventional for you to be meeting my therapist. She and I had tons of talks and signed lots of papers having to do with boundaries and confidentiality and making sure that we keep our therapist-client relationship as safe and sacred as it's always been. And so I just wanna let y'all know that. Second, I wanted to let you know that this is a pretty messy, vulnerable topic for me. In this episode, you're gonna hear why I had such a hard time in the first few months of being a mom why I say it's the hardest transition I've ever gone through. And the reason I wanna be so honest about this is not to be discouraging, that is the last thing I would ever wanna be, but it's because I don't want you to have to go through any of this alone. I was actually talking to my sister about this a few weeks ago. You know, maybe your first few months of mom life won't be that hard. And if that's the case, amazing. I'm so happy for you. But if this is really hard for you, I want you to know that you're not alone in that. You're not weak, you're not a bad mom, this is hard and you're not alone in feeling that way. One last thing I wanted to say, Kristen and I had so much to talk about in this episode that we actually had to split it into two parts. But trust me, it is so worth a listen. So today you're gonna be hearing part one of our conversation and then next week we'll air part two. Okay, I actually have one more thing to say. (laughs) So as you're hearing from my amazing counselor, you might find yourself thinking about counseling in your own life. With that in mind, if you live in Tennessee or in South Carolina and are navigating anything related to motherhood, go check out Ready Nest. They are so great. But if you're in a different season of life or you live in a different state, that recommendation doesn't help quite as much. So here's one that does. It's one of our amazing Girls' Night podcast sponsors, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This is truly the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. You may have heard me talk about faithful counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I wanted to tell you a few quick reasons why I love them so much. First, it's easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a quick form about yourself, what you're going through, and what you're looking for in a counselor. And within 24 hours, faithful counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. Second reason is, it's easy to schedule. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours. You can also log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly phone or video sessions and the best part is you can do it all virtually. No commute, no awkward waiting room time, less time away from work. You can even do your sessions in your PJs, which counseling in your PJs, yes, please. The third reason I love Faithful Counseling is that it's easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you really connect with. And often we don't find the right person on our first try. So then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which is super awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. 
But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor, if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. They really make it easy to find the best fit possible. And the last reason is that it's easier to fit into your budget. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which makes it a total no-go for so many of us. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. Also, if you sign up through the special link they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head over to stephaniemaywilson.com counseling and that link will give you all of the info about Faithful Counseling as well as 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com counseling for all the info on Faithful Counseling and 10% off your first month. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Kristen. All right, friends, I am so excited. I, I'm so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with someone who is really, really special to me. Um, someone who has been in my corner for um, a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to introduce you to my therapist, my counselor, Kristen Reed. Kristen, thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Steph. So I feel like we should talk about this right up front. If anyone has been in therapy, or I know we have women in our community who are therapists who are like, wait, like I have red flags (laughs) going off right now. You and I have had a lot of talks about whether or not we were going to do this episode I've signed paperwork. Like, t- talk us through that really quick because yeah. I know that confidentiality is incredibly important. It's incredibly important. Um, I'm glad she, I'm glad to have this space to talk about this aspect. Uh, so yeah, we did. We had a lot of conversations. You brought this up to me. You felt really strongly and very passionately that you wanted to share uh, a little part of your postpartum story and bring me into that conversation and the first thing I said to you was, oh, we got to think about confidentiality. So yeah, encouraging you to sit on it, think through it, pray through it a little bit more, right? And then on my end, what I did was I talked to uh, my boss, our founder at ReadyNest about, hey, what are the implications here? What are the legalities? Like, can we work around confidentiality? And so what we determined was that um, in order to maintain the integrity of our relationship, our therapeutic relationship, is that we would have you sign a release of information waiver and give us very specific things that we're allowed to talk about and not allowed to talk about for the sake of uh, really maintaining that as much confidentiality here as possible. And, you know, the beautiful thing about a therapeutic relationship is that it's all confidential, giving you the space to come and tell all of your things, all of your deep, dark secrets or your scary thoughts or whatever it is going on in your head. Um, It's that really beautiful, safe, sacred space to be able to do that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And we really did. We, you know, our relationship is so special and um, has been so just wonderfully helpful for me. And so the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to jeopardize that. And so we really yeah. talked about like, we don't talk outside of therapy. Like we yes. have a very specific, mm-hmm. wonderful relationship and and so much, there's so much freedom in that, like you said, yeah. to know that like, that is a really safe, really like private place to to process and to work through things. Um, and so, but we decided that we think we can like yes. in a, in a, way that's still good for our therapeutic relationship and my heart and stuff, um, open up just a piece of this so that we can share with women like what, um, some of what I've gone through, some of what you've helped me through. And then also I'm really excited to get to, for women to get to learn from you, but also um, just to 
kind of give people a peek into what it looks like to have help with yeah. this season of their lives or whatever season of their lives so that, you know, it, it's a reminder that we all, that this help is available for all of us. Yes. So I'm really excited yeah. about this. I am too. Yeah. Um, uh, this is the thing I'm passionate about. So I'm glad to be here. Love this conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so yeah. tell us before, so we've kind of like sort of jumped into the deep end, but also... Yeah. I want people to have a chance to formally meet you. Yes. Tell us who you are, what you do, and I'm excited to hear a fun fact about you. Okay, so I'm Kristen Reed. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist that works at Readiness Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. What we do is we really focus on perinatal mental health, and what that entails is conception, pregnancy, postpartum, infertility, loss, um, and early parenting, so like up until two, three years of age. How did you... Oh, wait. Fun fact. Oh my gosh, fun I can't fact, miss this. Fun, fun fact. fact. Okay. So my fun fact is... <laughs> I don't know if this is fun for everybody, but it's fun for me, is that I am currently training a therapy dog. I've got a beautiful 13-month-old uh, Australian Labradoodle named Charlotte Cambridge that I am currently training to work with kids probably. Um, or maybe she'll come with me to the office and work with clients that are uh, at Ready Nest. We'll see. That is... I did it. I, I mean, I've gotten to see Charlotte, but I've never, uh, but I didn't know you were training her to do you that. Didn't That's know so that. awesome. Yes. Yes. No. It is quite the process. It's really cool. It's, it's very interesting stuff because a lot of the attachment work you and I have talked about is like what I'm doing with her. <laughs> Building that solid attachment. Yes. Kind of like parenting and making sure she's feeling loved and secure and safe and knows that when I leave, I'm coming back, all of that. So yeah, it's oh really gosh. interesting. It's very fun. That is so cool. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So we could talk about a whole bunch of things uh, related to motherhood, but I do want to focus on the first few months because really, truly, the transition into motherhood is is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And so I, I really wanted to just do what we can to support women who are in that season right now. And so knowing that we're, we're kind of zooming into this one particular time, so I want to hear from you as someone who talks to women a ton when they're in this season of life. What are some common things that women experience in this time? Like what are some of the things that the clients are coming to you dealing with? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen uh, in my time at Ready Nest is anxiety. Uh, we talk a lot about, well, we hear a lot about postpartum depression, but we don't necessarily talk about the postpartum anxiety and what can actually come along with that, right? There's a lot more emphasis on postpartum depression. But in my experience, and it could be different for my colleagues, but for me, it's been mostly postpartum anxiety. So anxiety around, is my baby being loved enough? Is my baby safe? Am I producing enough milk for my baby? Should I be using cloth diapers or uh, disposable diapers? Should I be using formula or breastfeeding? Should I pump exclusively, nurse exclusively? All these little things that are going around in a client's head night after night while they're not sleeping. That's the other thing, a lack of sleep, a lack of basic needs being met. And I see you like nodding your head, like cringing <laughs> a little bit as I say that, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the lack of sleep is such a big one that really uh, is what propels a lot of my clients to get into therapy in the first place for a lot of reasons. That lack of sleep is going to trickle down into all of the other areas of our life. And it's going to really ramp up that anxiety. It's going to ramp up 
depression. It's going to ramp up sadness. And you know, the other thing I want to say is not everybody that comes to see me has a postpartum disorder. Sometimes they just need that place to like talk through, okay, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Let's, let's access whatever it is you're feeling right now. And sometimes it only takes three, four, five, six sessions and they're, okay, this is great. I've got you. If I need you, I'll reach out. Otherwise I'm going to move on with my life. But then there are the more extreme, the more intense, if you will, things that come along with postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression that that I'll I'll wrestle with with my clients a good bit. Yeah. Okay. I have so many questions, and I'm like, gonna, okay. I know I've sent you a bunch of questions, so I'm going to jump around a little bit. That's fine. Talk to me about what is happening in our lives during this season. Mm-hmm. Like you touched on mm-hmm. lack of sleep. But like, why, what is happening in our lives, in our relationships, in our bodies that contributes to this being a hard season for a lot of women? Yeah. So let's talk about the biological piece first. Obviously, you've just had a kid. So there's this massive hormonal shift that's going on. So your body's being pumped full of estrogen, progesterone the entire time that you're pregnant. You deliver the baby, you deliver the placenta, those levels drop like that. And it's... And one of the largest, if not the largest, most drastic shifts of any human's life is right after that placenta is delivered. So you've got that going on. So that's this crazy rush of hormones and your body's all over the place, fluctuating, trying to get back to regulation, trying to get back to a baseline, so to speak. So that really drives a whole lot of other things. So think of PMS and like the most intense PMS that you've ever experienced, Mm -hmm. nodding your head along with me. Yeah, Uh think about that. And that's what's happening to your body. With the, the difference being though, you've got this tiny little human that you're all of a sudden responsible for, right? You've prepped and prepped and prepped for this baby to get here. Baby is finally here. And you're looking at this baby and you're like, oh, okay, you're a real human. And now I have to figure out what to do with you. So you add that to the mix. You add the fact that this baby is not born with a circadian rhythm at all. So night is day, day is night, right? And developmentally, that's appropriate for your baby. They should not be able to have that skill quite yet. So they're up all hours, you're not sleeping. And that adds to anxiety. It adds to sadness. It adds to tears, right? Plus in the therapeutic lens, in in MFT world specifically, we have these things called life cycles that we really talk a lot about. And so you're also being launched into this brand new life cycle. We've talked a little bit about this, I think. I try to talk about it with all of my clients. And, And within this life cycle, like your entire homeostasis has been challenged. And so you got to figure out, okay, there's a new homeostasis. Now what do we do? And a lot of this is happening subconsciously, of course, but that's a, such a big thing that's taking over your brain during this time period that's just kind of adding to everything else that you're going through biologically, emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually for a lot of a lot of women as well. Talk to me a little bit more about the homeostasis. Like, mm-hmm. do you mean like in terms of like your schedule, in terms of your, but like what what category... Yeah, just talk to me about the life cycle a little bit more. Yeah, so the life cycle, there's there's different life cycles that we all go through and we all hit these life cycles at different points. There's no like, you have to do it by 20, 25, 30, right? This, everybody's on their time ske- own time schedule. But with the life cycle that you're, you're leaving couplehood, just the two of you, and you're being launched into the new life cycle, which is, okay, now we have our first kid. You add another kid, you're being launched into a new life cycle. But let's just focus on 
going from just the two of you to now the three of you. So what happens is, okay, you, you're going along with your part, with your partner and you have your rhythms, right? You have your homeostasis of, we have tacos every Tuesday. Then on every Wednesday, we go out with our friends and we meet for happy hour or we meet for bingo, whatever, right? You've got your (laughs) rhythms. (laughs) I don't know. Some people like bingo, right? Um, So you've got your rhythms. You know, okay, you're going to do the laundry. I'm going to do the dishes. You're going to do the cooking. I'm going to dust the house. These are very, very basic. And then there's also like the, the grander scheme of you bring in this much money. I bring in this much money. Okay. So all of the things within your world of just the little two of you, they're getting ready to change because this third tiny little human has entered to the entered into the system and then the homeostasis changes. So we have a couple of options here. We can resist that change. And that's when a lot of just frustration comes along of, oh, this isn't the way that we've always done it. We have to keep doing it this way. We have to continue to be a perfectly equal partnership or continue to do these rhythms exactly as they used to be. But what we're going to find is that it just doesn't work. And so there has to be this looseness, so to speak, this, this fluidity of, okay, homeostasis has changed. We're in this new life cycle. This tiny little human has joined us and we can fight and we can try to make sure that everything stays exactly the same or we can accept that things are different. And it's a great thing that that things are different because this new little human's in our life and we can figure out new rhythms. Okay, so maybe it doesn't work for your husband to uh, do all the cooking anymore. Maybe it is, makes more sense for you to do the cooking now. Maybe it makes sense for, for you to take over the finances and he'll do something else or vice versa, right? Just figuring out just the tiniest little things about your rhythms and being okay and being flexible with the fact that things are changing. Things are changing a lot, actually, because you have this human that you are now responsible for keeping alive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You talked about a, a little bit about the giant um, hormonal changes that are happening and the fact that, you know, anxiety and depression are really common. I want to just make sure we we touched on this kind of early because this was like my first question is, how do you know when you are just really anxious because you are now in charge of a tiny life that is like so fragile and you have no idea what you're doing? How do you know when it's like that's, you're just anxious because of that or or it's more than that? Like, where's the difference between you know, my entire life has changed overnight and I'm feeling sad about it versus like postpartum depression? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic question. And and the first thing that I will disclaim is that it looks different for everybody. Everybody's experience is different. But the biggest thing for us clinically that we can do, we we, uh, offer these very basic assessments. Um, One is the Enveril postpartum depression scale. So that's going to screen for postpartum depression. And the other one, uh, it's called GAD, Generalized Anxiety. Oh, I can't remember what exactly it stands for, but it's it, the, the abbreviation is GAD, G-A-D. And so I offer these to all of my new clients. And oftentimes at OB and pediatrician um, offices, they'll offer at least the EPDS um, to every mom that comes in for an appointment. And based on the results of that, we can get pretty good idea of where you fall in the postpartum range um, of both depression and anxiety. So that's that's a way that we can know a difference. But once again, that's clinically speaking. So if you know, you're know you home with your husband, maybe your mom, your sister, girlfriends around you a lot, and they're noticing some changes, these are things that they can look, um, look for. Uh, 
when it's crossing over to postpartum depression and anxiety territory, it can often look like there's a lack of interest in the baby. Uh, there's uh, weeping to an unusual extent. Now let's let's normalize the weeping a little bit. When when you're in those first two weeks, the baby blues, uh, you're going to cry mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> you, you just are. You can't help it. They're going to be happy tears. They're going to be sad tears. They're going to be tears for no reason whatsoever other than your body's just doing a lot. Okay. So usually anything past that two week mark, we're going to look at it to things a little bit more seriously around, oh, is this actually postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety? So lack of interest in a baby, usually typically anything past two weeks, and that's when we're going to start looking a little bit deeper, um, crying to an abnormal level after those two weeks, obsessively worrying. That's the thing. So if it's obsessive that you are thinking through, oh no, what do I do for this baby? If you're checking diapers obsessively to make sure that uh, they're, they're, urinating enough, right? Uh, or drinking enough water, right? That's how we know if a baby's dehydrated or, or getting plenty of fluids, right? How many diapers are they going through a day? So if you're like counting diapers and you're obsessive about that, that's usually a clue that, okay, wait, we've crossed over into more of a postpartum anxiety uh, territory. Is it anxiety keeping you up at night? Is it becoming debilitating? So if you're like, all of a sudden you're you're paralyzed by having to make decisions, by oh my gosh, the thought of taking care of this little one is making me so anxious that I literally cannot do anything else but sit in this chair and feel all of my feelings right now. That's also a really big indicator. Now, with all that being said, there's a lot of anxiety that's very appropriate. It is very biologically appropriate that we have, right? So our primary responsibility once we become a mother is to keep this tiny little human alive. And there are things that have been put in our body to make sure that we are always an alert to make sure that this tiny little human is alive. So you're gonna think through things like, okay, is my baby getting enough to drink? But here, once again, the distinguishing mark between just this is appropriate versus, oh, uh oh, we probably need to go talk to our OB or to a therapist and get some outside help is, is it obsessive? Is it debilitating? Is it keeping yeah. me up at night? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that I asked about this because um, I don't know that I, I, I didn't know that. I would say that I felt all of those things, but like, this is like such a random way to explain this, but like the difference between like primary colors and a pastel, like I feel like I felt those in like pastel colors, not primary colors. So like okay. I felt, I was checking diapers. We were, you know, we had, um, ch- the because the girls were, were pretty small when they were born. Like we were weighing them a lot. We were, um, we have like, Pat, like legal pad after legal pad after legal pad of like all of our notes about each feeding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was worried, but I wasn't, Obsessed. Like, so it's like, yeah. I do, I totally resonate with everything you were saying, mm-hmm. but it was like, yeah, it feels like kind of the muted version of that. Yes. Um, so okay. what do we, what do we do if we're like, I think I might have some postpartum depression or mm-hmm. postpartum anxiety. I feel like the thought of, uh, this is in, true in general when it comes to like needing help of, of really any kind. When you really need help, it's really hard to get it because you have to like, figure out who to call and make an appointment. And when you haven't slept in, you know, nine months, like it, that's, that sounds really hard. So who do we go to for help? Because my kid's pediatrician, like, what are they going to do? I don't know. Who do we go to for help? What do we do? <laughs> what do we do when we yeah. need help? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is such a really lovely thing to talk about. A couple of things here. 
it's always worthwhile to bring it up to your pediatrician or your OB or your midwife, whoever you're, whoever's responsible for taking care of your body, right? Um, always worth mentioning it to them because maybe they know a therapist. Maybe they have a relationship. I know at readiness with... Um, local clinicians, local OBs, pediatricians, midwives, lactation consultants, whoever is helping you through this time, mention it to them because odds are they're going to have a good relationship with somebody who can help you. Just like we do at Readiness. We are connected to doulas, lactation consultants, everybody in the birthing community for a reason because we know like women are going to go to them and then they're going to direct them to us and we can help them from there. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. There are okay. also organizations. I can't remember if I gave this website to you guys, but I will need to email it to you because it's it's called Postpartum Support International, and they have a directory of all uh, perinatal mental health clinicians, not all, but whoever wants to be included in the directory, um, in your area. And um, they have a twenty four seven hotline you can call. They are a wealth of knowledge. They are really leading the charge and getting the word out and doing research and uh, spreading awareness to postpartum challenges. Um, so I'll make sure that you guys have that link so you can put it in your show notes. Um, but like I said, they have a they have a directory of who's in your area. So you could go to your state and they may have it by city. I'm not 100% sure, but I know they at least have it by state to where it's just a list of clinicians that um, are registered through PSI. I love that. I don't know if you know about this, but this is the kind of a random thing. I'd never called a hotline before. You know, when people are like, call this hotline and someone will talk to you. The first time I ever did was at the hospital, they told us that there's a Tennessee breastfeeding hotline and that it's staffed 24 hours a day. It's free and they'll help you with like nursing questions. And this is something I wish I, I had done or been able to do differently. But when I had the girls, it was like vaccines hadn't come out yet. It was right in the height of of COVID. And so we didn't, our bubble was really, really tight. So we weren't like, we were trying to see as few people as possible. But I wish that I would have had like lactation support in person. The next best thing though, was that I called the Tennessee Breastfeeding Hotline and I actually called them on Christmas Eve because we were just freaking out. And the most, I could cry thinking about it, the most wonderful women answered. And I think she was like preparing a turkey or something. And she's like, okay, listen, you know, she's talking me through this. And it just was the most beautiful thing that that the people who are staffing these hotlines like get it. And and really it was Christmas Eve. She was prepping a turkey and she was talking to me about like how to nurse my babies and what I could do differently and stuff. And so anyway, don't be afraid to call a hotline is yeah, the point there. Definitely not. Steph, I love that story. You've never shared that before. That's so that's oh, yeah. so darling. Tennessee it. breastfeeding hotline. Okay, so so that's good to know. When it comes to medication, one thing that I guess I'm like totally fine with everyone knowing is that, so you guys, everyone listening probably knows this, but I've been like, I I absolutely struggle with anxiety. And so a couple of years ago, I started taking anxiety meds. They've been so helpful in just helping me feel like a normal, like just normal levels all around. So so I still feel anxious, but not debil- in a debilitating way. Like I still feel, I still feel all my emotions. It's just, I feel like I don't get stuck at the bottom in the same way that I used to. You know, there's a lot of questions about what do you do with medication when you are getting pregnant and can you still take it? And so I I was so grateful to have really great doctors walking me through that and making sure that I was on a kind of medication that was safe during pregnancy and stuff. But one thing that I did do was after the girls were born, we did up my dose because I was going through so much and I was so anxious. And um, and so that's just, and you know, I was like, I'm 
was able to bring it back down. Like I didn't need that much help for for um, a super long time. But I just want to say that, that if you are on medication, as far as everyone's told me, you can still take it while you're pregnant and you can take a postpartum and it's really helpful. Also, if you need to change your dose postpartum, like I, I did. But I do know that... Um, if you aren't on medication and you feel like you might need to get on medication, like can your OB di- like prescribe you mm. with something or do you need to find, like I don't even have a primary care doctor. I don't know, like mm. I, I was so like grateful to find, I found an actual like psychiatrist a couple years ago when I really needed one. And so they're, they're my person, but like, do you need to find a psychiatrist or who can, who can help you with like things when it comes to medication? Yeah, so my preference would be for you to find a psychiatrist. That's sometimes pretty challenging to do on your own though. And so always a great place to start is mentioning it to your to your OB. Like, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I think I could benefit from medication. They can get you started at least. And then they can also refer you out to a psychiatrist to manage it from there. Your, your midwife can do the same as well. Most midwives, some of them don't have the qualifications to do uh, medication. Uh, so you'll have to specify that with, with him or her. But for the most part, go to your OB or you know sometimes a pediatrician can do the same thing. So the bottom line here is just, just talk to people. Say, hey, I'm struggling. I think I need a medication, the medica- a medication. Can you help me with this? And then can you refer me to a psychiatrist from there? And I will also say this. There are psychiatrists that are specifically trained in perinatal medicine specifically and how, how medications really interact with pregnancy. They look at those intricacies of pregnancy, postpartum, if you're nursing, if you're not nursing. And so that really would be your best option. Now, also, that, that is a very, very, very tiny percentage of uh, psychiatrists that are qualified to do that or have that additional training. Um, but that is an option that is available. Okay. Okay. That's that's all really good. I just, I know we kind of like dug deep in there, but I just, I know that there are women who needed that. That's right. So, okay. So backing up a little bit, we've talked about how this time is really, really challenging. You know, you bring a baby home and that was the thing that like, I kept saying, this is, every mom needs the biggest hug because this is, the the way that this whole thing is designed is like, needs some reworking. Lord, I'd like to talk to you about this. Um, the fact that you are pregnant for almost 10 months and your body's going through all that and then you don't get a break like at the end of it when you're the most pregnant, then you have to have the baby. And so that either means surgery or something that's equally, if not more, I don't know, you know, that can be debated, taxing on your body to like actually deliver this baby. And then you're in charge of the baby right away. There is no like post-pregnancy vacation. There is no post-birth spa weekend. It is you are immediately in the thick of it. And you are like, I just remember going, what? What? This makes no sense. How was it designed this way? I, I just, there's no like minute to recover. And that just is so wild. So <laughs> that being aside, that's like my own little rant. I'll uh, talk to God about that. Tell me, like, what can we, what, if anything, can we do to prepare ahead of time, like mentally or logistically to make the transition easier? Yeah, I think being realistic about the expectation is number one thing, right? Uh, Realistic about outcomes. You know, we can plan and we can plan and we can plan, but we also need to hold loosely to those plans because we don't actually know what's going to happen once we get into deli- to the delivery room. We don't actually know what's going to happen in post-delivery either, right? And so 
plan, but hold loosely is, is the biggest thing that I can say. Now, as far as preparing yourself for going home, okay, well, let's make sure we've got the freezer stocked with meals or we've got that meal train set up. Make sure that your changing stations are ready to go. Is baby sleeping with you? Is baby sleeping in another room? You know, most of the time baby is sleeping in the same room with you. So make sure like you've got a changing station there, a changing station maybe in the living room where you're going to spend a lot of your time. Also, what a lot of women forget to prioritize while they're still pregnant is taking care of their own personal postpartum needs. So pads, wipes, <laughs> um, nipple cream, if you're, if you're making the choice to uh, breastfeed or nursing pads, that's what I'm trying to say, nursing pads, those little types of things like your own postpartum personal self-care, the things that you're going to need for yourself to really uh, be able to allow your body to heal in the way it, it deserves to heal, right? Um, so that's another big component to this. But then also go into it knowing I'm probably not going to sleep a lot. So how can I really utilize any downtime to get some sleep in? Can my partner and I, uh, how can we go ahead and be expecting to to share duties around the house? Or am I going to have, you know, now that we're getting more out of COVID, we can start thinking about these things a little bit more of who can I bring in that's going to help? Who, what can I outsource that's going to help? A great gift to give to a new mom is a laundry service. If that's a service available in your area, that is a great thing you can give to a good, to a new mom. Um, because as much as we can take off of your plate, that's really going to be the thing that's going to set you up for uh, a more pleasurable, enjoyable, successful, whatever the word is you want to enter and use right there, um, experience. It's not going to be 100% smooth sailing. It never is. You've got this tiny little human that you're trying to get to know. But as much as you can outsource, as much as you can prep ahead of time and just have these little things you would not think to have ready, like changing stations in all the rooms. And I'm talking about like a changing table, a little basket with some diapers and some wipes, diaper cream, right? That's all you need, but make sure they're there in the areas where you're going to be primarily using. And then once again, the postpartum self-care products. Yeah, I, I love all of that. And um, I feel like it's like anything that you don't want to have to think about once the baby's here, like yeah. figure that out ahead of time. So like yeah. if you, if it's the middle of the summer and you know that, you know, someone in your house is going to have to cut the grass. Like, let's figure out a, a person to cut the grass that isn't you. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you don't have to think about it. Yeah. When you, you know, need the, to be thinking about something here, else. That's exactly right. When you do need to be thinking about some, th something else. And the key here is we want this mixture of just kind of soaking in these early days and just really, it, it can be dreamy. It can absolutely be dreamy. Um, and also it can be, it can be really challenging. And so having this healthy balance of, okay, I want to sit in this and I just want to soak this up and I want to recover as well as I can. But also there are going to be more challenging aspects of, I mean, just going to the bathroom, right? That, that's a big ordeal after you've just had a baby. And so how can we set you up for success with things like that as much as how can we set you up for success for things just soaking up your baby? Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. 
Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. 
Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. What about like once the baby is here? Do you have any like survival tips for <laughs> for just the transition of like, no, really? I mean, one thing that people say is they say sleep when the baby sleeps. And like, the, I mean, at least at least for me, and I know that we had, you know, different circumstances having two, but like we really truly did sleep every single time the girls were asleep all around, like all the way around the clock because that's the only way that we got enough sleep to like function or sort of function. So like anything like that, that's, sort of a good rule of thumb or a, no, really this is helpful kind of thing? I think that's helpful advice if you are just having your first kid. If you're, if you are on baby number two or three that you're bringing <laughs> into the home, like that's not realistic, right? But let's kind of stay yep. in this realm yep. of you were adding your first kiddo to the family. I think that's great. Sleep when the baby sleeps and also maybe hold some space for while the baby's sleeping, I'm going to do a load of laundry and maybe watch a show on Netflix or listen to Steph's podcast or an <laughs> audiobook, right? Yeah. Um, you know, hold space for that kind of thing too. Rest does not always equate to sleep. Sleep is fantastic and you absolutely need it, especially in those early days of parenting when your baby's sleep schedule is all over the place. But also take into account, what are some other things that help me feel rested? Is it purely sleep? Great, fantastic. Then do that every time your baby's asleep. But also what about things like doing some gentle stretching? You know, obviously not too much. You've just had a baby, whatever is appropriate and safe for your body. But, you know, just some gentle stretching. Does that help you feel rested? Does it help you feel rested to eat a warm, hot meal? or drink a warm cup mm. of coffee or a cup of tea or watch your favorite show on Netflix. You know, those types of things are equally as important. And I really like to tell my clients that too. Have a list of things that you can go to that aren't just sleeping, but are equally as restful for you. That's a big thing that I like to, to talk to clients about. The other thing is, what can your partner help you with? So a thing that we like to talk about um, with a lot of our new moms, especially nursing moms, is okay, baby's going to wake up every two to three hours, right? Especially in those early days, it's going to be all over the place to feed. Okay, well, if you're nursing, have, have your partner get up, go get the baby, bring the baby to you, you nurse, partner then changes baby's diaper, puts baby back to bed so that you're still getting adequate time to sleep. If you're, if you're bottle feeding, great. You can still do a similar rhythm. Partner gets the bottle ready or you get the bottle ready while your partner go get, goes and gets the baby. But divide and conquer there. It doesn't have to be like a every time the feeding partner is going to wake up and, and take care of the baby. It, it, it can be a both-and situation where both partners are waking up and one can do one thing and the other can do another thing. I think that's also a really good thing to implement to help you get through some of those early days of sleep deprivation. So that you're both mm -hmm. you're both helping in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah, I really like that. One of the things that that I know you and I spent a lot of time talking about was and, and I think this is one of the first things that I like struggled with was that my experience of both having the girls and then bringing the girls home didn't totally measure up 
to my expectations. And I think in some ways, like I didn't necessarily measure up to my expectations. And I think this looks different for everybody. But what this looked like for me was that I had heard so many people say, and honestly, I don't know if I've really heard so many people say this, or if it's just like, I heard one person say this and it like became like the norm in my head, um, which I think happens. But I, you know, I thought that the second I had the girls that I was going to feel just this crushing love for them, like that I was going to be able to lift a car off of them if I, if, if I needed to, um, that I would like instantly just be like overcome with how much I loved them and just like, you know, how beautiful this whole thing was. And really when they were born, I felt hungry and like myself, but I just had surgery. And again, I was hungry. (laughs) So like, I didn't feel like I was so excited to see them. And it was, and it was like so amazing to see them. But I didn't, I, I, when I saw their faces for the first time, like that was the first time I'd ever seen them. So it wasn't like seeing an old friend. It was like meeting someone new. And, and I didn't, I really, I just felt the same as myself before they were there, but like a little bit hungrier because I was, I wanted to eat. And then when I brought them home, I didn't feel I definitely cried a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot mm-hmm. in those first two weeks. And the first week for me was mostly happy crying. And then the second week was mostly sad crying. And um, which was just interesting. I don't know if that's uh, true for anybody else, but what, so I brought him home. And I think I thought that I was going to have this like primal download of motherly instinct. I like, I thought that I just should know exactly what to do with them or how to take care of them immediately. And I totally didn't like, uh, and this was kind of hard. Carl was way better with them at the beginning. Like he, we took a class where they taught you how to change a diaper, but like it's different on a stuffed animal than it is on a baby. And I just didn't, (laughs) I don't know. Like he had to kind of show me how to do it. And I Mm -hmm. I just, I felt like kind of dumb and behind and like maybe there was something wrong with me because I didn't have this sudden download. And so I want to hear just like what you have to say about that, but then also just about for anyone whose experience isn't necessarily matching up with what their expectations were. Yeah. First of all, I do want to normalize this. This is something I talk about with many, many of my clients. There's this cultural expectation that's put on us that we are going to know instantly what to do. Mother knows best, right? That that's a saying. It's, it's, been a saying for a really, really long time. And with that comes this idea that as soon as you're pregnant or as soon as your baby is born, you are going to go into mama mode. Um, and for some women, that's 100% true, but it is not a tr- it's not true across the board. And I think that's what we need to normalize that everybody's experience in this is different. Instead of just using this one cultural message of every woman knows exactly what to do because this is what our bodies were made to do. Yeah, there's an element of truth there. I do believe that inherently we all know what to do, but it just takes some of us a little bit longer. And that's okay because we all have our own journey there, right? So I think, you know, what's realistic here is to... Look at this cultural pressure. I think it's a pressure that's put on women um, who are becoming moms. And then look at, okay, what's the expectation? What is my expectation here? Can I be okay if the moment my kid is born that I don't instantly feel this wave of just happiness and it's not all butterflies and rainbows and I'm not seeing glittery confetti all in the air, right? Can I be okay if that is not my experience? And if you can't be okay with that, then you know what? I would suggest like 
let's get you in therapy. Let's talk through that. Let's break down this expectation a little bit more so that you can be okay with that. Just not say anything bad about you, that that is not your experience the moment that your child enters, enters into the world. For a lot of women, it can take several months for you to really feel that bond. And that's also okay. There are a lot of things that you can do to uh, work on developing that bond. You're not going to damage your baby forever if that is your story at all. So let's normalize that piece. The maternal instincts will kick in. Will kick in. You're going to know, get to know your baby. It's this brand new human. You're going to start to learn their cries. You're going to be able to distinguish, okay, this is a, I'm really sleepy and I need to go down for a nap 10 minutes early versus the, I'm really starving and I need to eat now. You're going to start to be able to distinguish those, but give yourself grace, give yourself time. You were learning a brand new person. It's just like any other new brand new relationship, right? A new friendship, a new partner. Like you you got to have some grace. You got to have grace. You got to extend kindness to each other. You're both just figuring it out. Even your baby is starting to figure it out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really mm-hmm. like that. And just knowing that the, the range of experiences are really different, like for everybody. So different. Everyone. So, so different. And I do think that I have like, I know things now, you know, like yeah. I, I know, I know what their cries mean. I know what they like, what they don't like. I can tell from one word that they say, which baby is which, which is like question that everyone asks me, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> having twins. Um, it is, I, I mean, I know, I know everything about them now, but when I first met them, I didn't. And so it, it took a minute to, yeah, it took a minute to get to know them and it took some time of practicing um, to to feel like I knew what I was doing. And yeah. I mean, there's still things that I, anytime something changes, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm learning more quickly now, which is cool. Absolutely. And, and the other thing I'll say is like, let's not compare partner to partner. So yeah, Carl was able to kind of go into parent mode a little bit quicker than you. Okay, great. Somebody was there to do it, right? <laughs> And it gave you the space that you needed to to be able to catch up, right? And and that is actually fantastic. That's a really a beautiful vision of what a um, balanced or as balanced as one can get partnership can look like. The crawl takes over the reins a little bit. Your body is recovering. And so maybe your body just needed a little extra space. And that's why he was able to go into daddy mode really quickly, you know? Yeah. Let's celebrate that instead of comparing and saying, oh gosh, why is my partner getting a hang of this faster than I'm getting a hang of this? Great. One of you is figuring it out and that is something to celebrate Mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So um, one of the things that I know I struggled with, like not quite at the beginning, but like as we got into a little bit more of a new normal and we talked about this with uh, the life cycles thing a little bit, but was sort of an identity crisis. And I can't even fully explain it. But something about that season, like I, I found myself struggling with things with my identity and like like being kind to myself or, you know, my... my. It felt like I regressed a little bit in yeah. terms of like insecurity, in terms of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the way that I would like talk to myself or treat myself or give myself grace mm-hmm. or really not give myself grace. Like I just... I felt shaky in in who I am for the first time in a really long time. So is that normal? Like talk to us about identity and feeling kind of lost from who we are and how we 
maybe find ourselves again? Yeah, yeah. It's totally normal. Every woman that I have ever sat with in postpartum has had this exact conversation with me. And why shouldn't it be the case, right? We've talked about launching into the new life cycle. And anytime you launch into a new life cycle, there's going to be a change in your identity slightly. I mean, even think about when you and Carl got married your identity changed slightly, right? It's definitely not as drastic of a change as becoming a mother, but instead of being engaged, you were all of a sudden a wife, right? And so there's a shift in your identity there. And for whatever reason, we give lots of people or we give people lots of grace uh, in those types of life cycle transitions. But when it comes to becoming a parent, it's, it's back to this cultural expectation of you should automatically know how to be a mom. You should have figured out this whole brand new identity and you should have everything in your life completely put together by the time your baby is born. There is that pressure that we are constantly trying to navigate. And that's a lot to put on a new mom, not to mention a, a new dad as well. Like, but it's just, it's too much pressure. It's just too much pressure. And so I think the biggest thing that I, I, I like to share with clients is, okay, let's Sure, you're you're a new person now. You're a new version of yourself, and that's fantastic. Okay, well, what does that mean? Let's give ourselves some time to figure that out. Let's also take into account your body is healing from a physical trauma, birth, whether it's a vaginal delivery or a C-section. It is physical trauma to your body. So let's mm-hmm. actually first give yourself some space to to physically heal. And as you're in that process, you're gonna slowly start figuring out. Oh, okay. So I'm someone who instead of I don't like walking three times a day. Like I now I don't want to walk at all, right? I mean, that's a very basic example, but it, it's just, once again, a shift in your identity, right? A shift in yeah. who you were pre-baby. So it's it takes space. It takes time. It takes a lot and a lot, a lot of grace. Something that I learned from our founder at Ready Nest, uh, one of my mentors, Emily, is uh, let's just get some magazines or get on Pinterest and just casually fit through things and circle things that interest you. You don't have to spend a lot of time analyzing why does this interest me, but just put a post-it note, circle it with a Sharpie and then go back and then really look at the uh, the things that you circle and take into account, huh, that's interesting. I wonder why I like this. And I wonder how I can do X, Y, and Z to, to be able to do this really cool activity I've seen in this magazine or do this really cool manicure that I saw in this magazine, whatever it is. you know. But it'll just give you an idea of what interests have changed, what interests have stayed the same once becoming a mom. And it's kind of a cool... Um, double win, you get to sit and relax and, and just flip through a magazine and maybe drink a warm cup of coffee, right? While your baby's mm-hmm. napping. But I think the biggest takeaway that I want all of your sweet listeners to hear is just have grace for yourself in these early days of parenthood because you're going to figure out who you are and you may not know who it is right away. And that's 100% okay. It's 100% okay. I love that. I love that. And I think mm-hmm. there are things like, for me, there are things that didn't change and I thought that they would. Sure. Like, you know, I thought that I would like have a sudden download of maternal instinct and I still was just the same. And yeah. I mean, it, it, it like I learned things and it showed up. But yeah, I just, I still felt more like myself in some ways than mm-hmm. I expected to. Yeah. And so like that was interesting. But then, and you know, there are passions and, and interests of mine that like really haven't changed. And I think most of them haven't. But then, yeah, there were like new fears, new insecurities, and new like layers of myself that I was that I was having to kind of work through. And really that's a lot of the work that you and I have done together. Yeah. But I just like the idea of 
knowing that like this might be a huge identity shift for you or it might not be and it might feel huge at the beginning and then not be or it might not feel huge at the beginning and then it might be huge. But regardless, you don't have to figure it out today. And if you do want to figure out some things today, sit down with a cup of tea and start with start with a magazine. That sounds like a really, like, what do I like today? That sounds like yeah. a really easy life-giving place to start. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about marriage. Okay. This is a really big transition for every part of our lives as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And I know that it can be hard on marriages sometimes. Can you yeah. talk to me about that? Is that is that the case for a lot of people? And then um, is there anything that we can do to help our marriages through this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a lot of work. Well, how do I say this? It, for a lot of people, yes, it is the case. For everybody, it's not as hard as it is for some people. But for pretty much, I would say all couples, it, there are going to be challenges. 100% there are going to be challenges. The biggest challenge that I see in my work is communication. There's a miscommunication, a lack of communication because there's a lack of sleep, a lack of basic care or basic uh, needs being met, right? And something's going to fall through the cracks and usually it's uh, that communication piece with your partner. So that's usually the biggest or the first place that I start. Well, okay. What does communication look like between you guys? Give me an example. Like, take me through a recent conflict that you guys have been through, and let's pick that apart and let's see. Like, can how can we how can we kind of figure this out so that you guys can start fresh and move forward? Because the thing Mm -hmm. is, you know, we've talked a lot about these life cycle transitions, and a big part of this this particular life cycle is uh, the strength of the of the relationship. Like, how do we maintain that? How do we maintain the dignity of the relationship? What is that going to look like? Um, and, and, you know, we hear a lot about bringing kids into the, the relationship can make or break the relationship. Well, yeah, that is true. And also, there's a lot of things that kids bring to the table in a healthy way that's really cool and really exciting for, for a partnership. And so, the, like I've said, the biggest thing that I like to look at is the communication piece. Um, the expectation piece is the other thing. What do I actually expect of my partner? Okay, well, I expect him to take the trash out. Okay, well, does he know that you expect him to take the trash out? Are you constantly frustrated because the trash keeps piling up in the kitchen and nobody's taking it out? And then you end up doing it yourself and you're huffing and puffing, puffing under your breath and you're passive aggressive towards your husband because you're really ticked off that once again, you have to take out the trash. Well, does he mm-hmm. know? Have you vocalized to him? Hey, Carl, I need you to take the trash out. That could be really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Look at things like that. Why are you getting frustrated? Like, what is the source of frustration? And usually nine times out of 10, it is not the actual thing itself. It's not the trash. It's the, I want you to read every single need that I have. I want you to be able to know every single thought that I, I'm thinking so that you can meet that need instantaneously. Well, that's a lot of pressure to put on our partner, right? And so having the expectation of, A, my partner can't read my mind. Mm-hmm. I have to vocalize whatever's going on in my heart and my head to my partner in a kind and respectful way. Let's also keep that in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a kind and respectful way, like I need to communicate to my partner that it's so helpful for me when I don't have to think about the trash. Can you please just that be your duty? And if one day like you're so crazy at work that you can't get to it, just let me know that, hey, I'm really crazy at work. I can't get to it today, but I'll get to it tomorrow or I'll get to it in an hour, whatever. Mm-hmm. Open lines of communication both ways. What are the expectations? Communicating those expectations. Biggest thing is though, remember that you're both brand new at this. Odds are this is your first time, each of you, it's your first time being a new parent. 
And let's remember that there are things that are equally as hard for dads as there, as there are for moms. Um, there's a lot of pressure put on dads, just as like there's a lot of pressure being put on moms. I'm going to speak mainly to, to moms. So that's usually where my focus is, is with moms. But there are a lot of pressures being put on men once they become fathers as well. And so remembering that you're not enemies, you're a team. And if we can remember, we're not fighting against each other, but we're fighting with each other so that, not with each other, but we're fighting um, together in this so that we can make our partnership uh, stronger uh, for ourselves, for our ultimate happiness, but also so that we can set these really beautiful examples of what partnership can and should look like for our kids that we're bringing into this world. Yeah, I love that. I think that really like, that was most of it for us. And and that was, I think before, before, the girls came, I think that the idea of like fighting about the distribution of responsibilities would have felt silly or like easy to resolve, but it wasn't. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was a bigger deal than I anticipated, mostly probably because we were sleep deprived. Um, And then also like, it kind of felt like we were doing for, I mean, for the first definitely several weeks, I think for the first couple months, it kind of felt like we were doing like a tough mutter together or something. Like I'm picturing like, you know, diving over hills and, you know, like, <laughs> uh, or diving over obstacles and climbing under things and being super mm-hmm. muddy and like yelling instructions to each other. I mean, it mm-hmm. really was, it was like a full contact sport and it was fast yeah. and it was hard and we were both really tired and mm-hmm. there was a lot to do and a lot to manage. And so mm-hmm. the things that we butted heads about the most that I totally couldn't have seen coming were like the order of operations for things or when we, like how we prioritize things you know, do we rest and then we'll get to this task later or do we do the task and then we feel like we can really rest? Or like, you know, we had so much on our plates that that I think there were moments where we both were like, hey, can you help me with this? Like, can you pick up the slack here? And and it was really hard to realize that we were both carrying as much as we possibly could. And it like, there were just things that had to fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that the other one wasn't helping. It's that our arms were totally as full as they could be. Mm-hmm. But I do think that as some of the things that were helpful were really talking through all of the tasks that we have to do. Like mm-hmm. we sat down a couple times and listed out literally everything that needed to happen and we assigned tasks. And that was so surprisingly helpful because we were able to like negotiate a little bit and be like, okay, mm-hmm. listen, I hate, for me, I hate meal planning hate it. Hate grocery shopping, hate meal planning. It is so stressful for me. I think I just don't have that like planning ability in my brain. Like it's just missing. And Carl's really good at it. And so I'm like, what do I need to take from you in order for you to do this? And so like my thing was like after dinner cleanup. So I'm scraping tater tots off the floor, which is every (laughs) night, which is totally fine because I don't have to meal plan. And like that, that just, but that distribution to be like, okay, I feel like I'm I'm doing more than you. Is that true? And like really laying it out and making sure that we each feel like we're carrying, you know, what feels good for each, you know, like fair. I don't know if that's yeah. what everyone's going for is fair, but like, you know, what feels fair and what we feel good about. And if there's something that he hates that I'm okay with or vice versa, like swapping. Um, yeah. And that just helped. It just helped a lot. It just helped. It helped a lot. Yeah, order of operations. I really like the way that you state that because that's basically what it is, especially in the early days. It's okay, order of operations. How are we going to run this home? And even your visual of doing like a mud run kind of situation where you're just covered in 
ick and you're yelling and you're like trying your hardest to work as a team so that you can accomplish this race. I think that is such a powerful visual just to keep in mind. That's exactly what it is. It's 100% what it is. These early days, they're so messy. They're so messy. Even if they're, they're fun for you, they're still really messy because you're learning a brand new thing and you're learning like how to work together as a team in a whole new way. Um, so I love that visualization. I love that you shared that. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and really like it's a, it, I mean, I think, you know, we're a little over a year and a half into this. So I don't know anything yeah. about parenting for the long haul. And I know that it's like in a lot of ways a marathon, but I think those mm-hmm. early days really are a sprint. Like, because I don't feel like we're sprinting anymore. I don't feel like we're in a mud pit anymore. Mm-hmm. Like our life is is feels really sustainable now. And yeah. there's room for dreaming and room for sleeping and room for naps. And I mean, like the way that yeah. we kind of have been able to figure things out, there's some space again. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we both really feel most of the time like our ourselves. So it, it's not always like that. But the beginning, yeah, it was right. super messy. Absolutely. and. and really muddy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that you you bring that point up too, Steph, because the, the first part, really the first six months, I think that's when you're really sprinting, but then you get into a really good rhythm. It's still, it's still more of a sprint than like a nice little solid jog uh, once you get past that six months, but it gets easier the longer you do it. You're sure you're not an expert in it yet, but you're learning more quickly. You're picking up things faster, right? You know your kids a lot, a lot better at that point. And so it's not quite as all-encompassing. And that's 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 a really wonderful thing to just keep in mind. It's not always going to be this way. Yeah. I don't know if I've actually shared this on the show, but um, I hope so. Uh, so one of the times that I feel like God has spoken to me most clearly recently. Um, mm. I don't know if that makes sense. I kind of added a bunch of words together. Um, but it was my birthday last year. So the girls were about six months old. And this was when they were having a really, they were sleeping great at night, but their naps were like really messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would sleep for like 30 minutes at a time and then wake up and wake up at different times. And so, um, and this was before we really had help that we needed, which we'll talk about in next um, and so we were just basically like living and dying based on their nap schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time specifically, the girls uh, fell asleep and I was able to go refill my coffee, go to the bathroom, respond to one email, and then they woke mm-hmm. up. And I was like, oh my gosh, Carl and I are thinking we we're both ha- going to have to quit our jobs. And then I don't know how we're going to eat. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how we can fit so much life into mm-hmm. this tiny moment when they're asleep. So naps were really hard there for a while. And I remember, so it was my birthday. And when I, I love my birthday. There are all kinds of ways I want to spend my birthday. I want it to be my Mm -hmm. favorite day of the year. I've had to work on not putting so much pressure on it, but (laughs) I want it to be my favorite day of the year. And here I am, it's my birthday. And I'm like sweaty. I've spit up on me. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I've like didn't sleep all the night before. And I'm rocking baby Quinn in the closet because at this point we had separated them to see if that would help them sleep better. So I'm standing in a dark closet, like trying to get this baby to fall back asleep. And I'm sitting there going, this is not how I wanted to spend my birthday. (laughs) And I'm feeling like really frustrated and really resentful and just feeling kind of like I'd lost, I felt like I'd lost anything that was about me in my life. Mm -hmm. And truly in that moment, I had this thought like drop into my head And that's why I'm like, this had to be from God because I didn't have any, there was nothing in me that could like come up with something like this. 
but it was this thought that it won't be like this, or it won't be this way forever. Mm-hmm. And that phrase, it won't be this way forever, was so helpful to me because it was, it was a double, there was a double meaning there. One, it was like, you will not be holding a, t- a six-month-old baby <laughs> in your closet trying to get them to fall asleep next year. Like they will be bigger. Mm-hmm. So it's, so just by definition, like time is going to keep marching. It will not, yeah. this, this will not last forever. But then it also is a really good reminder. It won't be this way forever. Like there won't be another birthday in my life when I'm rocking six-month-old baby Quinn to sleep in my closet. And so I immediately started crying and feeling just so grateful that it wouldn't be this way forever, but then also feeling sad that it wouldn't be this way forever. And it just helped me like be present in that moment. And so um, it's something that I've like passed on to anyone who will listen. I'm like, that phrase is so helpful. And actually we made a keychain out of it. Um, it's in, it's in my in, in my little shop, so that we can like hold on to it for anyone who needs it. But I, I just love that idea. Like, it's not, it just won't be this way forever. So mm-hmm. savor it because this is fleeting. Mm-hmm. But also, don't worry, this is fleeting. Like, you won't be covered in spit up forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a beautiful that. story to illustrate both and and not either or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's both really frustrating and really beautiful, <laughs> and it won't be this way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you are, it's okay that you kind of want this part to be over and it will be over at some point, but then also like there's beautiful, there are beautiful things to savor in this moment. So don't miss them. Exactly. You guys, isn't Kristen amazing? I love her so much and I'm so happy you got to meet her. Don't forget, next week on the show, we'll have the second half of our conversation. And in the meantime, if you want to find the links for anything we talked about in the episode or any other episode of Girls' Night, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com to check them out. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. I won't send you an email or anything. It'll just make sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a second to ask you for a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. All right, friends, that's it. Thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week for part two of my conversation with Kristen.